Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Great. We've been uh, taking time to pray for everybody that's serving and ministering in church. <laughs> Got strings attached, be careful. Um, so if we have missed you and you are in a serving team or you are serving somewhere and we have not yet laid hands on you, we're going to do that right now. And uh, so did we miss anybody that we not pray for yet? Yes, Gareth. So we're going to, is there anybody else? Because we're just going to stand there where you are and uh, those around you can lay hands on you. Have we not prayed for you yet? Okay. Great. Yes, please stand there where you are and the people are going to make a group around you and pray for you, lay hands on you. Have anybody else, any serving team that we've missed, serving team member? All right. Let's gather around them. You are allowed to move around. Um, let's just take a moment and pray. Great. Okay, let's yeah, just pray as you feel led. Let's pray the, the this power of the Holy Spirit upon them, the anointing of the Lord over them. Uh, Father, we thank you, God, for each of these that are serving so faithfully in your kingdom, Lord. We thank you that you strengthen them with might by your Spirit in the inner man. We pray that you'd anoint them and and gift them and empower them by your Spirit for what every good work that you have put before them and prepared for them, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Now, let's just speak God's Word over them. Let's speak prophecy over them and encouragement. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord, even as you anointed those that were we're building the tabernacle, Lord, you and the temple, Lord. You anointed them with skills and workmanship and physical skills and in, in every physical skill and ability that they needed, you gave it to them supernatural by the power of your spirit, Lord. And we speak this over each person now in Jesus' name. We thank you that you go before them. We thank you for your favor on everything they do. We ask that you would encourage them, Lord. You'd strengthen them, their relationships, their families, God, in Jesus' name. Lord, we trust, Lord, that, that you bless them in every sphere of their lives, Lord, that they would experience your favor and your anointing and your grace that abounds, God, in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your protection over them and their families. And as we commission them, we thank you, God, that for your Holy Spirit, to fill them afresh this morning with your anointing and your power, Lord, in Jesus' name. We thank you for your gifts, Lord. We thank you for your, that you are faithful to confirm your word as they minister, Lord, that you will confirm your word through each one, Lord, through signs and wonders, Lord, through powerful uh, signs that you, uh, your word is indeed being spoken and being ministered, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Let your kingdom come in and through their lives, God, in the name of Jesus. And everybody says, Amen. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Thanks so much. 
What a blessing. All right. Okay, so we've been chatting about being commissioned and then being empowered by the Spirit of God for His purpose and for His plan. And um, yeah, I just wanted to touch on some very few practical things around us being sent in, in the purposes of God. And, uh, you know, even as missions teams are going out, it's so great to see our own teams going, but also teams from all, you know, different shofar congregations going across the globe. Um, and uh, But being sent starts here, right? starts in our own backyard. It starts in uh, our every day, going to work and going about what God has called us to do. Uh, let's just pray as we get into the Word. Yeah, we thank you for this Word this morning, Lord. Holy Spirit, uh, we ask that you would breathe on it, Lord, that you would minister to us, each one, Lord, and that you would impart grace to us, Lord, that you impart life to us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, yeah, and I was saying, so, and the, just, the, just us being followers of Christ, us as disciples of Jesus, you know, following Him, we are meant to become like Him, right? We are meant to be transformed and us following in His footsteps and doing as He does and <clears throat> obeying His commands, that the implication is that we, are, we change. Um, we are transformed. We are um, changing, as the Scripture says, from one glory, one level of glory to another. But, the, but com continually we are, <clears throat> excuse me, we're becoming more like Christ. And if we look at the life of Christ... There's so much that that is all about him reaching out and him laying down his life for us and for those around us. And I just wanted to look at a few scriptures just in terms of laying a foundation. And we're going to look a bit more of this place here where Jesus ministers to Zacchaeus. But right there at the end, he says, And Jesus said to him, Luke chapter 19, verse 9 and 10, he says, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that, that which was lost. So in our following Christ, this will be central to our lives. I mean, it cannot be anything but central because this is what was central in his life, to seek and to save that and those which were lost. And then Mark 10 also in verse 45, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and, gave, and give his life a ransom for many. We are not here to be served, but in the example of Christ, we are here to serve. Um, and this is so encouraging to me because that means something else for each one of us. I mean, that means something different for each one. Um, whichever position or place or role you find yourself in, there's a place there where we can serve those that are around us. Amen. Um, as a leader, as a maybe a business owner or you're in a position of authority in your workplace or at, even at your university, there's a place to serve those that God has put around you. Amen. And then Second Timothy 4. But you be watchful in all things. Now he's writing to Timothy here, Paul, <coughs> encouraging him. 
Timothy was not necessarily known as a, an apostle or an evangelist. But he was a leader of a, a local church. But Paul encourages him and he says, Be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And he's saying to Timothy, listen, maybe you didn't think of yourself primarily as an evangelist, but as a follower of Christ, you need to do the work of an evangelist um, and fulfill your ministry. And I believe as we are pursuing being coming like Jesus, this will be a part of who we are. Um, in some way, you know, in, as we in, in receive that empowerment of the Spirit, how are we living that out in our daily walk? How are we reaching out to those around us? How are we serving those around us in love? And I've experienced that the default setting for most of us is, as we go about our daily business is not very outward focused, right? Because there's so much going on and there's so much that is crying out for attention. We tend to you know, be... Uh, occupied with stuff that's going on and we tend to not focus on what's going on around us what is God doing in the lives around me who, who is God uh, ministering to and who how can I join with what God is already doing there where he's put me right and uh, yeah even just in our prayer lives in our, in our way we intercede for those around us often our prayer is focused on on our own crisis, which is 100% normal and natural and human. But I really believe that God is wanting us to call us to a place where we grow to say, okay, Lord, what is, what is it that is on your heart uh, in terms of prayer and in terms of my time and in terms of my um, investing into those around me, all right? Um, so a couple of things in terms of us being sent, there's a bunch of obstacles, and you'll see it in the foyer. We've got a book here called Just Walk Across the Room, which I really enjoyed. It's one of those books on personal evangelism, which is one of the few, actually, that I've found I could really relate to in terms of being, being practical. And uh, so I want to really encourage you. We've got a bunch of them still available. So if you, we even have like a guide, like a handy, anyway, I'll see, I don't know how many books we have, but we have like a study guide thing, all right, but a bunch of these principles come up, are also in that book, let's look at this, There's a couple of common obstacles, right, so when we talk about evangelism or loving people in a practical way or, you know, stepping out in, in what that purpose is that, that the Holy Spirit has called us to, often, now this is not you guys, all right, but I, I know there's some people out there that struggle with this, right? So maybe just remember to tell them. <laughs> Often our first, our first uh, response is, I'm serving in another area in church. That's my role. That's what I'm doing. There's, there's other, the other people that are more gifted and better positioned to do this outreach thing, right? So... So somehow we convince ourselves, no, you know what, my role is X, Y, and Z. Or, you know what, I, I believe I'm called to be a businessman, so I make the bucks and I pass on the bucks and somebody else does the ministry, all right? So there's somehow the enemy manages to convince us that there's, there's other people that are better positioned, better gifted, and more, uh, you know, their role is to reach out to people and to do this evangelism thing. Okay, I know that's not you guys' problem, but, but out there. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and, but, but I'm convinced that in our following Christ, there, there's nobody better placed in the place that God has put you to reach the people that are there. There's literally physically some places where nobody else can go if they're not you. <laughs> okay, So there's literally places and access and relationships and connections that you have that I, I don't have. And I can't minister to those people and, you know, but you are there, and you are in that place, and God has put you there for a reason, for a purpose. Um, and I want to challenge us that if that thing comes up, that maybe this is maybe somebody else's role, just to take that thought and acknowledge, actually, no, this is not the truth. Okay, God has put me here, and He's put His Spirit in me. Amen? What Spirit is that? The same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead, right? Not just any random Spirit, the same power that rose Christ from the dead, He's put in me, and He's put me in this situation for a reason and for a purpose. I mean, and secondly, we we often feel like in this season that I'm in now, this is not this, this is not going to work. I don't really have time now. I don't I don't have resources now. I don't feel really qualified now. Maybe you're a young believer, or I don't feel qualified to share faith or to encourage somebody or even to pray for somebody else. I feel like I still have to grow. Somehow there's this thing of not not right now, but one day when I've finished Bible school or when I've you know when I've got a bit of more free time available or I've got you know I've, there's not so much pressure X, Y, Z, then I'm gonna get around to this reaching out thing. I mean I'm just saying these are common obstacles. I'm not saying this is this is uh, your problem, maybe more my issue. But uh, so look out for that one. And then sometimes it's just a lack of, of compassion. Um, we have to really be honest with ourselves. And, and it's not a bad thing to be honest, is to say this. I don't actually, uh, to be honest, I don't lie awake at night, you know, about the lost. Like, you, know, you know, if we, if we be, and if you're in that place and you can honestly say, listen, this is not something that keeps me up at night, I don't. I don't lose any sleep around my neighbor that's going to hell. Then just be honest and bring that to God. Amen? I think we've all been there. So, And we're going to get to that at the end of the end. But there's a boldness when we say, Lord, please change my heart. I want to know your compassion. Because somebody, somebody reached out to me when I was in that place. Most of us here have a story of some person praying for us, some person reaching out to us, even if it was a parent. Amen? There was somebody that made an effort to pray and to reach out and to, to, you know, make you know bring you closer to Christ. I had a grand, a grandmother that prayed for us every single day, for, I don't know, many years, <laughs> okay, all of my life, <laughs> up to up to the point that she passed away. And I know for sure that that was instrumental in us, me and my sisters coming to Christ. Part of the reason why I know that is because at that point my parents were not saved. Amen? So all of us have that somebody out there that said that they had compassion on us and prayed for us and cared for us enough to reach out and to pray. So I, I want to challenge us to, to pray those prayers. And we're going to look at that at the end. But to be bold in our prayers. Say, Lord, change my heart. Give me compassion for those that are on your heart. Amen? Okay. 
Let's look at this uh, bit here with when Jesus ministers to Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. How he entered Jericho and he was passing through and behold there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax, tax collector and he was rich. Let's just pause there. So this Zacchaeus, being a chief tax collector, being rich, that just already says a lot. Okay, That means he was not popular. In the society, he was probably didn't have any friends, probably because, except for those that wanted to get some of his money. But the point is, those that were tax collectors that were working with the oppressors, the Romans, they were not well liked among the, the Jews, right? So that says a lot already. <clears throat> but can you see that even though he was rich, so he didn't need anything physically, okay? He was set up, probably was probably one of the richest men in the, in the city. And think of it in, in your own sphere. Often we think of the, we see people's physical well-being or wealth, and we think often like they think that they don't need Christ, all right? That there isn't a need for salvation because they don't have any physical need. But it's not the case. Those that are so well off that they don't need any physical, maybe it's more difficult for them to come to a place of humility, but the reality is they're just as lost as the rest of us. I mean, and look at this powerful thing here. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. Maybe he had heard something. Maybe somebody mentioned something. Maybe he heard a story of somebody getting healed. But something happened that this guy wanted to know about this Jesus person. But can you see, he's not asking. He just wants to, he wants to see if he can notice something. Um, so there is a desire there. So don't let the enemy convince you that your boss that's so rich or that's so wealthy or your neighbor does not need Christ. Don't let them convince you that there isn't a desire to know, that there isn't a need for him. Amen? But on account of the crowd, he couldn't. He couldn't see Jesus but because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. He, he actually made an effort. So don't, don't let enemy convince you that somebody will not make an effort, will not actually step out of their comfort zone. All right, there is a need, there is a desire, there is a... Um, people of wealth, whichever the, whatever their financial status is, have a, have a desperate need for Christ. Okay, And then, <clears throat> when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. There's these, those around. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Goodness gracious. Can you imagine? He's going to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. That's a powerful moment. And, but can you see there the response of the religious crowd? He's going to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And to be honest, I remember a time when I looked at some of my 
Christian friends, and I was like, why are you spending time with that person? You know, why are you? And I had this grumbling in my own heart. Now I'm challenged <laughs> by this. Um, because if you flip it around, it can also be true. What are, are, are you afraid of what others will say if they see you spending time with those that are not yet believers? Are you, are you not reaching out to uh, somebody because of what somebody else would say? Maybe your Christian friend or whatever. So watch out for that. Um, do not, let's not be those that are grumbling because of this hypocrisy. Okay? They did not understand. They, and they had this thing of, we're going to be contaminated, right? If we spend time with those that are not believers. But Jesus went right in there. He went to the most broken people, the most dis, you know, despised, the lepers, the prostitutes. He ministered amongst the most desperate, where nobody else would go. Maybe that means, in your context, going to the, the person in authority that, nobody, that everybody is afraid to talk to. Maybe it means something else. You know what I'm saying? So, but watch out for those things that, in our thoughts and in our culture, in our way of doing things that keep us from really getting to those that need Christ. Amen? Are you with me? Okay, just a couple of practical things from you. just want to read this um, quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, he was a theologian in, r around the time of the Second World War, and he, he was basically martyred for his faith. Um, he just wouldn't keep quiet when the Nazis told him to keep quiet. And... Uh, he wrote many amazing things. You can you look him up a bit. But he, he said this thing. We must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. God will constantly be, be constantly crossing our paths and canceling our plans by sending us people with claims and petitions. We may pass them by, preoccupied with our more important tasks. It's a strange fact that Christians even min and even ministers frequently consider their work so important and urgent that they will allow nothing to disturb them. They think they are doing God a service in this, but actually they are disdaining God's crooked yet straight path. So he refers to that, the will of God, the path of God that we don't understand, that we not often or miss it, the, the, the funny way that God sets things up that people might encounter him. Okay? the crooked yet straight path. But this is so convicting because we live in a world where we are so bound by our schedules and our plans, and I'm talking to myself as well, you know, if you have three children doing different sports and having different social calendars, and it just feels absolutely crazy, and then uh, running from one event to another. But can you see that this is exactly what Jesus was willing to do? He was going somewhere, he had a plan, he had a schedule and a whatever, I'm sure, going to some ministry appointment. But he stopped. He was willing to stop. And I wonder if he knew, how did he know his name? How did he know Zacchaeus' name? I'm wondering if the Holy Spirit actually spoke to him in that moment, walking past that tree, where they got a word of knowledge saying, you need to chat to this guy. So that for me is the first powerful thing that Jesus does here. He's willing to stop. Stop his plan, stop his a very important thing that he was going to do and be willing to say, okay, this is what the Holy Spirit is telling me to do right now. This is now the most important thing. Amen? 
And I'm challenged by what Boniface says, that are we ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God? Whether that means when I'm at the at school, you know, where my children are, and I'm rushing off somewhere important, or whether I'm, and then I'd have, you know, greet somebody, and the Holy Spirit urges me maybe to chat to them, or pray with them, or encourage them, or whether you're on your, I don't know, whatever that important things that we are busy with, are we in a place where we uh, allow the Holy Spirit to stop us, interrupt us? And... um are we able to actually say, okay, I need to pause and I need to hear what the Holy Spirit is telling me right now about the situation? Amen? And, uh, and yeah, I've told you about times when we've been, you know, we've been on an airplane or ministering to people. But what happens there is normally there's free time. So that's, that's great. I think it's a great way to use free time. Like when you're in a long queue at the post office or... So this is interesting because there's lots of cues we can avoid these days, but doing stuff online, right? But cues are amazing when you want to share the love of Jesus with somebody. It's just just people are there, you know, and they they're reluctant to give up their place in the queue, so they they just stick it out, you know. And they <laughs> in it goes. But cues are great, but you know, so it's good to wear, use your free time like that, or on an airplane, or on a bus, or somewhere, on a taxi. Those are always great opportunities, but this is more where you probably think you don't have time now, is to be willing to stop and to be willing to be interrupted and to be willing to, you know what? I, I have something important going on at home, but I feel I need to just greet my neighbor and maybe just spend, instead of just waving, just spend two minutes chatting to him. Am I willing to just stop for a moment? Okay. Let's go. So a couple of practical things. Uh, it's going to take some the being deliberate about these things, all right? Sometimes it's going to be positioning ourselves in a place where we are able to be, to have more r- relationships with people that aren't believers, okay? To be honest with me, it's really challenging because at my workplace, it's very boring. Most people at my workplace are believers, you know? No, you're wondering why most. <laughs> In any case, <laughs> but uh, sometimes we're gonna have to be deliberate. You know, when when I was getting involved at the school where my our kids are, some of that was very deliberate. Saying, "Okay, Lord, where where can I get involved? Because I'm trusting for opportunities to minister to people." So we started with the Billiki rugby. You know that was a big patience tester for me, but praise the Lord. <laughs> and, you know, prayer groups. and But just started with something small, but it, it did create opportunities to minister to people. It did create relationships and it created other opportunities um, where God can come and minister to a different community. Does that make sense? That, uh, sometimes it takes planning, it takes some scheduling, it takes some being posi- deliberate. And even in our finances, sometimes it means if I want to go on an outreach or I want to go on a mission trip, sometimes it means I'm going to have to save up for it. So I'm going to have to save up, I'm going to have to plan my leave around it. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to take us being deliberate, right? And just in terms of our expectations, when you are engaging with somebody, 
I, when I was starting out with sharing my faith with people, I had this thing that I have to pray the sinner's prayer with this person <laughs> at the end of our conversation. You know, I was like, if that didn't happen, uh, it was a failure. Okay, that's not the truth. Amen? Somewhere, this person that you're engaging with, they might be somewhere between anti-Christian and almost saved. We don't know where they are, right? But if, if your conversation or your regular conversation with them, if it's a colleague or somebody that you enable, something can take them closer to that point every time. Amen? So don't expect them to take that leap. We don't know where they are, right? But let's trust that, that our chat or our conversation or our prayer is going to take them steps closer to the place where they can come to faith. Amen? When you look at the parable of the sower, there are different responses, I mean, to the word. But the sower keeps on sowing, okay? To be honest, in agriculture, it doesn't really work like that. You're quite careful where you sow because seed is expensive and you don't want to waste it. But when we sow the gospel, we don't care. We just sow. That's, that's why it's such a powerful illustration. He sows, even some of it lands on the road. I'm thinking, you know, Bruno saying wildly now, you know, how does it end up on the road? But it just illustrates that when, we, when we're sharing the love of Christ, we don't hold back, even though we know some of it will not be received. Does that make sense? So we sow indiscriminately. Then um, looking at people in terms of what God sees, that's for me is very important. You know, often what I see is not what God's focusing on. You know, I remember when I back and raised at university, I wanted to talk to the guys about their habits and their, all their bad habits and whatever destructive stuff that they were up to. And the Holy Spirit told me at one point, this is not what I'm focusing on right now. Don't bother the guys about their smoking and their drinking. Talk to them about the f whatever else. You know, There's a father wound or there's an issue here or they have a need in this area. So that it changed the way I pray for people. Amen. So don't don't be thrown out by the fruit. The, you know, sinners are going to sin, especially the good ones, the good sinners. Okay, there's lots of. <laughs> so don't be uh, offended when sinners sin, but trust the Holy Spirit to show you what what is He want to be ministering to. What is the real need behind the fruit? Amen. Be with people. I know this sounds basic but it's real guys if we don't make time to spend with somebody there won't be that that opportunity to really speak into their lives okay we live in a time where we spend lots of time online and there's some sort of relationship online but i really believe that if we don't manage that we, we come into a place where we feel connected with people but we're not really connected we feel that we're having some influence, but we're not really having an influence. I don't feel there's a, any substitute for having a face-to-face -face coffee with somebody and really encourage them or really pray for them. Amen? Um, yeah, so make a point of, of... And you don't have to invest in everybody, but trust the Holy Spirit for guidance in terms of who, is the, who are those people around me that I can invest time in. Maybe that colleague or that neighbor or that dad at your, your kid's school who are those that you want to invest time in or you're maybe the guy at your CrossFit box or at your cycling club or wherever. Amen? Okay.
Dat is hij. There's a, I have a friend, we've been friends since, uh, what is it called now, grade 8. And he's had all kinds of interesting views on faith and stuff over the years. And I've prayed for him. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna, I'm going to give away my age now, but close to 30 years. Okay? <laughs> and uh, he's only now come to salvation. Hallelujah. That's awesome. He's going through some hectic things. And uh, he's overseas, he stays in Germany now. But the Lord is doing stuff in his life. It's amazing. And I can't help but just um, just give glory to God. Because uh, to be honest, some years I didn't pray for him a lot. Um, some years I didn't have a lot of contact. But God is faithful. Amen. And so don't give up on praying for those guys. Amen. Keep being with people and keep on praying, even when there doesn't seem to be any fruit. That used to discourage me a lot at the beginning when we don't see fruit immediately. Like I said, if you didn't pray the prayer. <laughs> and, uh, but I've realized that God works. And like that word we had, the scripture we had, that His word accomplishes what He sends us to do. Amen. Um, and I've found that, you know, when you step out in faith, for you it's like the end of the world because you, we're often bound by the fear of man. But you, when you engage with a colleague or a friend and it, um, and, and it becomes evident that you are praying for them, Some, sometimes we think people will be offended if they know that you are praying for them. But this is key. This is key. Not praying for them as in there's something wrong with them and they they need to fix something. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if they've shared with you a need, maybe a child that's not well or whatever the need is, and you come back a week later and you say, I've been praying for you. How is it going? I can 100% guarantee you that person will experience that as positive. They will experience that as love. They will not be offended. Are you with me? So be bold, step out, pray, pray bold prayers, amen, and then ask again, how is it going with that thing? Firstly, they will be astounded that you actually have thought about them, because people are selfish out there, amen, guys, and they, they will be amazed and they will receive it as being loved because you have prayed for them and for their challenge and their situation, amen, and God is faithful to perform His word. The most effective method is, is all about us being partners with the Holy Spirit. That's what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. Us working in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Okay, there's a, hundreds of different evangelism techniques and pamphlets and four steps and three rules and everything else. And I, I have a whole box full of them at home. But uh, the most important thing, I don't think any method is a is the best method, except our relationship with the Holy Spirit. If we are able to grow to a place where we can discern His voice and be willing to stop and be willing to be obedient, 
you're going to see God do miracles in situations we you didn't in the past didn't even know stuff was going on. Amen. I'm going to be open for that. Okay. Okay, just these are basically lots of overlaps. I just want to mention again. Um, next one. So being with people, proximity, you have to get into somebody's space. Okay, that's important. Install it. Basically referring to everybody's style is going to be a bit different. Amen? So don't think I must do it like Reinhard Bonker. Scream at somebody at the top of my lungs in a German accent. Okay? That doesn't help. doesn't work for everybody. Okay? <laughs> Especially if you're talking one-on-one -on -one with somebody. But go and minister to somebody in, in the way that God has gifted you. Okay? Um, go and serve somebody in the way that God has gifted you. Um, right. Commonality, finding common ground. That's why it's so powerful when you just, where you are, where you are busy with your hobby or your sport or your school or your studies. There was stuff where you have lots of overlap, you have common interests, you there's lots of, there are things to talk about. That's a great place, an easier place to start. I mean, and be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Be sensitive to the person. Don't bash them with the Bible. Don't assume that you know their situation. I mean, listen a lot more than you speak at first. I try to explain this to my children. The reason that we have two ears and one mouth, right? It's... It's good to use them in that in that proportion as well, uh, but that sensitivity to I'm not going to assume what this person's issues are because often, unfortunately, even if we don't think it, we we're quite judgmental. Like I said about the fruit and the sin, so be sensitive to hear to discern what is going on behind the facade, so that you can really pray and minister into that and discern where God is already busy. Okay. Then basically we've covered this, but the next one, this in in um, living life in 3D, and this is basically we develop friendships. So in those places where you are, invest, develop friendships, keep on praying, keep on investing. All right, discover their story, being sensitive to what is their story before sharing your own story, God's story of redemption, and and just that place where. Um, you know, when Mads was here, she mentioned this, that people are so alone these days in this online culture, so disconnected, that, that being heard, for somebody to listen to you and, and really, even if they don't agree, for somebody to take time to listen to you and seek to understand you is as close to people experiencing love as you can get. Amen? Just somebody that's willing to sit over their lunch at, at, at your know, lunch break at, at work and listen to somebody it, it's such a powerful expression of loving somebody in other words before you bash them with your test, testimony is a great thing Don't share your testimony as often as possible but first engage, first you listen first hear where they are, where they are at what, what God is doing Amen. and then discern next steps by following the direction of the Holy Spirit sometimes that might mean just following up Next week, how's it going with that thing? Sometimes that might mean inviting them for a coffee or a bride. Sometimes it might mean inviting them to church or to small group or to an encounter. Right? But trust the Holy Spirit, Lord, where is this person at? What is the next step for them? 
Sometimes I mean, it might mean just sharing them a sermon link, saying, listen, this message really blessed me. Don't you want to listen to this? All right? That's not for everybody. That's not for everybody, right? But, or maybe it's a shorter message or something that, that you feel is going to bless them. But trust the Holy Spirit to discern what's the next step for this person. Amen. And then finally, dare to pray the dangerous prayers <laughs> that we spoke to about earlier. You know, Paul encourages Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. And if we've, we're not in that place, and you're honest with yourself and say, I'm not in that place, then dare to pray that dangerous prayer and say, Lord, give me a heart for the lost. Maybe, I, just like I said earlier, just... Be honest, Lord, I don't have compassion at the moment. I don't, I don't lie awake at night, Lord, but may I be moved with compassion. You know, when Jesus looked upon the multitudes, Scripture says he was moved with compassion because he saw that they were weary and scattered like sheep with the heart of shepherd. He was stirred. He was moved. And that's something we can ask God. We can say, Lord, I... Show me your love for those around me. Show me your love for my colleagues or my classmates or my neighbor. And often there's stuff in the way, there's conflict and there's, you know, maybe some neighborly challenges <laughs> or some stuff that you don't agree with. There's stuff in the way. Ask the Holy Spirit to help to get that stuff out of the way so that you can experience compassion. Amen. Because that, you know, as, as, Jesus, as Paul writes, he says, the love of Christ compels us, moves us into action, moves us out of a place of apathy and out of a place of complacency and into a place of, okay, I'm going to be deliberate about this. And, um, I mean, so what, is, what I'd like us to do is just to take a few minutes. We're going to have communion. Um... We don't have a lot of time, but I want us to just sit in gr small groups, okay? <laughs> Maybe groups of three or four max. We're going to have communion in our groups, but I want us to take a moment to pray. For each person to pray for at least one person in the group. Pray for one person that you would like to invite or engage. One name of a colleague or a family member. Somebody that you can invite to church. Somebody that you can invite to a small group or to encounter. Um... And then we're going to trust the Lord to, you know, to work in their hearts. Amen. Okay, so let's make groups along. We're going to get the communion stuff. We're going to hand it out in the groups. And it makes group like maximum four, please. And we can at least, otherwise it's going to take too long. Three or four. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria.